0: that you may grow thereby. Thank you for listening to That You May Grow Thereby. I am Greg Litmer, and I am one of the elders of the Northern Kentucky Church of Christ. And a while back, I was reading through the book of Philippians. And an interesting facet of that book struck me and got me to thinking. It is a book of tremendous joy, a book filled with rejoicing and gladness of heart. With my curiosity piqued, I began to examine additional books and passages of Scripture and found that in the New Testament the word joy is used approximately 60 times. The word rejoice is found somewhere in the neighborhood of 67 times, and glad or gladness in the sense of feeling that way is found 10 times. All of which goes to show that Christianity is meant to be a life of joy, a life of gladness and rejoicing. Now obviously, that is not in the sense of running around giddy all the time and never having a serious moment for there is truly nothing more serious than being a Christian. But it does mean always realizing that we are saved, children of God and washed in the blood of the Lamb. It does mean knowing that the only one who can remove us from the love of Christ is ourselves. It does mean knowing that this world is not our home. We truly are just passing through And it does mean knowing that the worst anyone can do to us is to take our life. They cannot take our salvation. It does mean knowing that even though people often fall short of our expectations as we do theirs, the Lord is always there and will never leave or forsake us. It does mean knowing that the circumstances must not dictate whether we are happy or not. For this reason, I want to focus in this lesson on joy, found in the book of Philippians, a major theme of that wonderful letter of Paul's. Let's turn to Philippians chapter one and read verses 12 through 18. There Paul wrote these words, but I would you should understand brethren that the things which happened unto me have fallen out rather unto the furtherance of the gospel so that my bonds in Christ are manifest in all the palace and in all the other places. And many of the brethren in the Lord, waxing confident by my bonds, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. Some indeed preach Christ even of envy and strife, and some also of goodwill. The one preach Christ of contention, not sincerely, supposing to add affliction to my bonds, but the other of love, knowing that I am set for the defense of the gospel. What then? Notwithstanding every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is preached, and therein I do rejoice, yea, and will rejoice. Let's look closely at that passage. To be truthful, no one knows for certain what Paul was talking about when he referred to the things which happened unto me, or rather, my circumstances. But it is obvious that he was writing of recent events, including imprisonment. And how those events affected his work in the gospel. While we might naturally think that being in prison would greatly hinder his preaching, Paul was saying, no, the gospel has actually been promoted by my imprisonment. Instead of being viewed as a common criminal, those who held Paul came to understand that he was in prison for his work in the gospel and that gave him the opportunity to teach those who might never have heard the truth otherwise. And that was not all. As a result of Paul's courage, his deep rooted convictions, and his endurance in openly preaching the gospel, even in prison, the other brethren in Rome increased their evangelism and boldly proclaiming the gospel publicly. That shows us a lot about the power of example, doesn't it? It also appears that there were some who took the opportunity of Paul's imprisonment to re- preach the gospel out of envy and strife. There were some who did not like Paul. There were some who were jealous of Paul. And there were some who preached Christ out of jealous and selfish ambition, who wanted to hurt Paul by causing him distress in prison. Perhaps they were jealous of the position of leadership Paul had, I'm not sure, but they were preaching the truth only out of insincere motives. There are those who still do that. On the other hand, there are those, and this would have been the majority, who loved Paul and did everything possible to support and encourage him in his work. Their motive for teaching the Word was of one of goodwill. But the point is whether they were attacking Paul or not, whether they were trying to hurt Paul and cause him distress or not, as long as the truth was being preached, he rejoiced. Instead of allowing their insincerity and their jealousy to cause him to become discouraged, he found grounds for rejoicing not only then but in the future as well. That is what truly being a Christian is about. What an incredible heart this man had, what nobleness of mind! He rose above all pettiness and all meanness, overlooked injury and insult and rejoiced. I prayed that I would grow to that point of spiritual maturity. Let's now read verses 19 through 26 because Paul continued on and he wrote, For I know that this shall turn to my salvation through your prayer and the supply of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, according to my earnest expectation and my hope, that in nothing I shall be ashamed, but that with all boldness, as always, so now also Christ shall be magnified in my body, whether it be by life or by death. For to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. But if I live in the flesh, this is the fruit of my labor, yet what I shall choose I know not. For I am in a strait betwixt two, having a desire to depart and to be with Christ, which is far better. Nevertheless, to abide in the flesh is more needful for you. And having this confidence, I know that I shall abide and continue with you all for your furtherance and joy of faith, that your rejoicing may be more abundant in Jesus Christ for, for me by my coming to you again. Without getting too deeply into all of the details of this passage the marvelous truth of it is simply this. Paul lived his life with a single ambition and that was that Christ be magnified in his body. Now to magnify is to honor, to hold up, to exalt. Paul did not really know what the future held for him but whether life or death Paul was determined that Christ would be honored through him. My friends think about this. Paul had no aim but that Christ be honored and magnified. And that would be done whether Paul lived or died. If Paul's life was spared, then he would continue to preach the gospel, and thus Christ would be enlarged. If death awaited him, then the Lord's glory would still be promoted as Paul joyfully and courageously went to his death. He would seal his testimony of Christ with his blood. Oh, my friends, to Paul both life and death were inviting. Do you see that Paul's life was so absorbed into the life of Christ that apart from Christ, Paul's life had no meaning? Really, for him to live is Christ. On the other hand, if Paul should die or be put to death by the Romans after having lived such a life of devotion to Christ, then his death would be gain. But understand, Paul was not despairing of life. He was not desiring death to escape the pain, suffering and hardship that his life for Christ brought. No, sir. He is just taken by the thought of how much better it would be to be with Christ. But the needs of others came first. He was willing, if need be, to put the Philippians before himself and help them. And should he return to them from his imprisonment, Paul would see the joy of the Philippians grow in the faith of what they believed and together they would rejoice over their confidence in Paul, in Christ Jesus. Now we move to chapter two of Philippians and read verses 14 through 18. Look at what Paul wrote. Do all things without murmurings and disputings, that ye may be blameless and harmless, the sons of God without rebuke, in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation, among whom ye shine as lights in the world, holding forth the word of life, That i may rejoice in the day of christ that i have not run in vain neither labored in vain yea and if i be offered upon the sacrifice and service of your faith i joy and rejoice with you all for the same cause also do ye joy and rejoice with me what a wonderful passage and message this is paul says that all things and contextually that would be all things pertaining to the working out of our salvation, hard to be done without murmurings or disputings. Murmurings is an inclusive phrase. It refers to all murmurings and complaints, regardless of their cause or their object. They are to be avoided, whether against God, against something he had commanded, against our own particular circumstances, or against each other as Christians. Our obedience to Christ and our journey to heaven are to be rendered cheerfully, without complaints, and we are simply not to be in the habit of complaining and arguing with each other. Why? Because we have to stand out. We have to be pure, innocent, without fault. As a matter of fact, blameless can even be translated as harmless as doves. The meaning is that our lives must be free from blame and we must stand out as those against whom no charges can be brought by those outside of the body. We live in the midst of a crooked and perverse world, and our conduct had better be such that no one in the world can say, look at those people, look at how they treat each other, in a negative sense. We must be the lights in the midst of darkness. We are the luminaries of the world. Living the gospel as they should would enable Paul to rejoice in the day of judgment, For he would know then that as far as the Philippian brethren were concerned he had not labored in vain as a matter of fact if Paul's labor called for him to be offered as a drink offering poured out in death as a sacrifice with the sacrifice of the faith of the Philippians Paul would gladly give his life's blood for the Philippians if necessary especially when he knows he has this joy with them he could have joy with them even in death because of their own faithfulness Together, they could have joy in their work, even if it involved suffering. And they could find joy with Paul, even as he rejoiced in the face of death. Do you see? Circumstances should not affect our joy as Christians. Let's go now to chapter 3 and read verses 1 through 3. Paul wrote, Finally, my brethren, rejoice in the Lord. To write the same things to you, to me indeed, is not grievous, but for you it is safe. Beware of dogs, beware of evil workers, beware of the concision. For we are the circumcision, which worship God in the spirit and rejoice in Christ Jesus, and have no confidence in the flesh. My friends, this is such a heartfelt exhortation. Rejoice in the Lord. That defines both the reason for the rejoicing and the sphere of the rejoicing. The joy that ought to characterize Christians is a true spiritual gladness They can be known only by those who are in the body of Christ. Look at Philippians chapter 4 verses 4 through 7 where Paul exhorted the saints to the same thing and expanded upon it. He wrote rejoice in the Lord always and again I say rejoice. Let your moderation be known unto all men. The Lord is at hand. Be careful for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving Let your request be made known unto God and the peace of God, which passes all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Why can we have a peace that remains constant and sure, even as the storms of life batter us from time to time? Why is it so that we can endure things that would crush and destroy those in the world and just keep on going? I'll tell you why. It is because of Jesus. It is because this world is not our home it is because we have confessed that we are strangers and pilgrims on this earth it is because we know that even the church is made up of people and people will let us down but the lord will never let us down it is because we know that the lord has said i will never leave thee nor forsake thee there's one more passage that i want to look at and it's found in philippians chapter 4 verses 10 through 13 Paul wrote these words, But I rejoiced in the Lord greatly, that now at the last your care of me hath flourished again, wherein you were also careful, but ye lacked opportunity. Not that I speak in respect of want, for I have learned in whatsoever state I am, therewith to be content. I know how both to be abased, and I know how to abound. Everywhere and in all things I am instructed both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. The Philippians had supported Paul materially in his work in the gospel. They had been fellow workers with him in that way. He writes here of additional support that they had sent him, but, and this is important, it is not the support himself that prompted Paul's rejoicing in the Lord. It was the concern that they had for him that was the occasion of his rejoicing. We can really say that the joy Paul felt went from the support to the love that prompted that support to the one who is behind all such love in the first place, the Lord. But my friends, in this passage there is yet another reason why being a child of God is constant reason for rejoicing. Our joy does not depend on our circumstances. Admittedly, this is hard to truly put into practice but what a glorious blessing it is if we can do it. To demonstrate that the cause of his rejoicing was not so much the support they sent, but the love that prompted it, Paul went on to explain that whatever his circumstances might be, he would be content. He said, I know how to be abased and that means to be brought low. What a wonderful trait it is to be able to be brought low by whatever cause without receiving inward loss. It is a shame when Christians come away from adversity of some kind. And it can be things like loss of money or possessions, sickness, the death of a loved one, insult or nastiness from somebody else. But when they come out of that with a vindictive spirit or holding a grudge they carry to the grave, that's a shame. On the other hand, what a wonderful trait it is to be bountifully blessed with plenty, even more than needed yet be so spiritually minded that the material things are nice, but not that important. What a blessing it is that in all circumstances, we can rejoice. How can we do that? How can we rejoice and be content in any and every circumstance in any and every situation? Because the Lord is the source of our strength. When you get right down to it, what difference does all of these earthly things really make? I think of Paul's words in 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 12, the second part of that verse. He said, For I know whom I have believed, and am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again I say rejoice. Thanks for listening.